poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Philosophical Friday on Chasing Poker Greatness with your hosts, Brad Wilson and Duncan Palamortis. Welcome, 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 my friends, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. It's Friday. It's a philosophical day. Happy to be back in the co-host chair with Duncan. Duncan, how you been, my friend? Good, 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 Brad. Uh, you feeling better? I'm, I'm getting there. I'm, I'm incrementally feeling better. I don't feel bad anymore. Uh, I still am stuffed up, but cognitively feeling quite good. Pretty sad about my Vegas trip that went nowhere. Um, we're over two for hanging out together in the real world, but third time's a charm, as they say. And you know, well, what can you do? What can you do? That's exactly right. And, and in, your, in your own words, that's you know that that's a bad beat, right? So it's um, a bad beat. But you know what? Like it's a first world problem, right? Like it's a it's a an inconvenience, something that was kind of annoying, just having to sit in my hotel room. Uh, quite close to a lot of my my close friends um, who were all in Vegas at the same time and all the podcast guests that was yeah, pretty pretty much a downer but um, yeah, I, I can go back there, there's next year and gonna be doing some uh, wolf retreats with my guys and gonna be yeah inviting some folks like yourself and other major contributors and friends in Greatness Village along the ride as well. So we got plenty of opportunity. Um, just got to wait till next time with the non-COVID, non-COVID-y opportunities. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Yeah. What's on the agenda today for Philosophical Friday? What are we getting into? Right. So um, speaking of some interesting things like intuition and uh, uncertainty and all of these mystical topics, you know, um, we thought it would be a good idea perhaps to explore um, alternative forms of intelligence that they apply to poker, and in particular, the concept of emotional intelligence. So we're going to try yeah. to see how, how it applies to poker, what some characteristics, how can people improve it if possible, and so on. I'm uncertain how this episode is going to go, but my intuition tells me it's going to be good. So let's <laughs> let's dive into emotional intelligence. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, one 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 starting question would be, uh, what is uh, what is emotional intelligence? And some people would define it as the ability to understand, use, and manage your own emotions in uh, certain ways to relieve stress, communicate effectively, which matters to us, like empathize with others, which also matters to us overcome challenges and potentially diffuse conflict. So it is an, a, a way uh, to essentially deal with, um, with, with emotions, if we were to summarize it in a single ser- sentence, as opposed yeah. to um, using um, mani- and manipulating cog- cognition, which is the more typical definition of the um, I- intellectual quotient as opposed to the emotional quotient, like the typical intelligence. Right. And... As I believe I've mentioned on this show, you know, watching a lot of Brene Brown, who believes that we are emotional creatures who have cognition, I would say that, um, yeah, emotions are certainly a big deal. They're very real. And I don't know if you mentioned it in the definition, but 
I mean, I know that you did, but to simplify for me, I think of it as both understanding your own emotions and mm-hmm. also understanding other people's emotions as they're feeling them too. Absolutely. And that's where the empathy uh, is derived from. Right. You're absolutely correct. Like unless we can actually understand our own emotions and also understand that there's a connection between our emotions and other people's emotions, right? I mean, humans are called humans because they share something. Otherwise, they would be called something different for each person. Um, you cannot empathize. So th- that's where the empathy is being derived from. Yeah, and I see. Uh, so the next the next question is, um, is it a thing? But I would actually kind of, yes. The, my, my answer would be yes to that, that's to that question. But... Secondly, I would like to define like what an emotion is. Mm. You know, I, I think that's like an important thing to think about here when we talk about emotions. Like, what what is an emotion to you, Duncan? Sure. Uh, I, I guess I'm going to give an, an answer which may feel unattractive to some, but I would say it's basically a response of our nervous system, right? Uh, just an immediate response of our nervous system to um, the triggers of our environment, right? So, for example, fear is a response that tells do not go there you know uh, or love could be a response that tells us you know go there go there exactly (laughs) (laughs) that's it we sold you know like the the hardest uh, psychological questions of our time you know let's uh let's call it a day day. we're done (laughs) absolutely but yeah that that would be probably the the, the shortest version right because it, it is something that again it doesn't have to do with cognition it's a physical thing um, and uh, that's why I would call it a response of our nervous system. Yeah, and it's a physical thing related to our central nervous system, as you said. I, I would define it the same, and then also uh, I think regulated by chemicals in our brain too that that affect our emotions. Absolutely, absolutely, and neurons and all of the all of the stuff that are involved in in, in our physiology. Exactly. Yeah. So, all right. Now, how does this apply to poker? Uh, emotional intelligence. Absolutely. So let me pass that question to you. Like, how how does uh, you know a, a, an emotionally uh, intelligent uh, human being, uh, which we can, for the listener here, we can define as someone who is aware of those responses uh, of the nervous system, is aware of their own emotions, other people's emotions, typical responses, uh, typical behaviors. How can such a human being apply those ideas to poker and potentially benefit from it? So. In my opinion, um, poker's an an emotional game. I think starting from that paradigm and, you know, when you start with that belief system that poker is an emotional game and that humans act irrationally and emotionally in moments of stress and pressure, which poker is ripe for stress and pressure, um, it gives you an insight into how they're constructing their strategies and what they're trying to accomplish and what they're trying to do. And, you know, their physical tells through betting patterns, through mannerisms, through speech, you know, there's almost an endless amount of data points in, in the world of live poker that you can read um, emotionally and that can influence your decision. Absolutely, absolutely. And one of the examples that I often give is the idea of somebody at the poker table tilting, you know, and sometimes they can be silently steaming. But again, if your antennas are on, you can literally feel the temperature of the room rising, like somebody is actually... What do you feel? What do you feel when you steam, when you tilt? Uh, What does that mean? 
Right. So I, I, I was I was thinking of it as as an observer, but as as you know, like a person who, like, let's say, I am the person yeah. who who feels the the, the negative emotion. Uh, literally, like the the temperature of the the body rising, uh, the like a a representation of of a headache. I would say, like, you know, the the head is actually working overtime. Um, at least that's my physiology. I'm sure that other what people feeling? feel. What what feeling would you? Attribute. Mm. Um, I would say the uh, probably anger. I would say that's the the the, the closest of uh, the the and perhaps usually the anger is uh, also related. I would say to probably fear. And I think if I were to to pin it down, the reason why I'm also adding fear in there is because I guess fear could be. Um, and it's and it's difficult, right? I mean, because when we try to describe emotions, it's actually very di- difficult for me to put it into words, right? Because I can, I can show you how I feel. It's very difficult to describe to you, to you yeah. how I feel, right? Yeah. Just <laughs> looking I, for I, the I, adjective. But, um, uh, the adjective, right? But I'm going to take the challenge, and I think what happens, what happens there, uh, is the any sort of loss typically triggers uh, the emotional response of fight or flight because. You feel threatened, right? I mean, at least I, I I would probably say that this is accurate in in my case. So I would say fear, anger, uh, fear of loss, um, anger for um, an outcome that irrationally uh, we deem at the very moment as perhaps unfair or more unfair than than it should be. Um, what else? The where, where, where do you feel tilt at the poker table, like in your body? I, probably, I would say, um, personally, I would say probably my head the most uh, and uh, my stomach, probably, personally. Yes. yes. And, 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 and I, have to, I have to say that, you know, like over, over the years, um, the, the symptoms have changed, right? Because again, and they, they, they tend to be less intense and they last uh, shorter periods of time. You know, I believe... Uh, I believe Sam Harris said it said it best when it comes to uh, to anger. One of the things that he said about you know like being in emotional control, which is easier said than done. He said it's not about not feeling fear or not feeling anger or not feeling negative emotions. It's about understanding their existence until they dissipate. And I'm paraphrasing him, uh, but that's uh, that, that that's essentially. But yeah, so typically, like I would say, uh, you know, stomach, uh, head. Pretty much the, the entire body. Sometimes a tingling sensation in in the fingers and 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 things like that. And yeah, yeah. it's quite different for me. Interestingly, mm-hmm. um, I, I wanted to ask you, like, how how does it feel? Yeah. So for me, it's in my chest. Like mm-hmm. when I breathe, um, it's a feeling of urgency. Always mm-hmm. urgency. Um, like I need to do something right now. I need to resolve mm-hmm. this thing that's going on. Um, so I feel urgency to do something and, um, you know, depending on the day, uh, it could be desperation, right? Mm-hmm. It could be the sense of like, you know, dealing with a loss and like, ah, like this desperate urgent sense, to like get it back, get back to even do something, right. push the action, make sure right. you get involved. Right. Um, and I think that's really it. I don't know. Anger doesn't really come into play for me. Um, I don't think uh, I can't really remember getting angry, um, but lack of control 
I, I think is, mm-hmm. is one feeling that sort of like, when I feel out of control, I think that is a catalyst to feeling um, urgency and feeling desperation. Like I just can't, there's nothing I can do about this thing that's happening to me. So you, you feel helpless in a sense. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's mostly how like my tilt manifests internally. Um, and it's like a very specific feeling, you know, it's a feeling of when I was a kid and like my mom was supposed to pick me up from school and she didn't show up for two hours. Right. It's this helplessness, this right. desperation, this like out of control. Like I can't, I have this major problem and I can't resolve it and there's nothing I can do. Um, so yeah, that, that's sort of how like the, my internal central nervous system, like processes tilt and things at the poker table, but it's a very tangible feeling that I'm quite familiar with, um, (laughs) as a human. So I can recognize it relatively quickly and it's an indicator to like do something, um, like take a walk, take some deep breaths, stretch, uh, or just quit the game entirely. Co- correct. When it when it comes to you, and actually, you can also see it uh, on other people as well. I mean, because also um, the kinesthesiology of other people changes when that happens, right? I mean, people tend to it, it's subtle. You can you may not be able to put it into words, but you know it when you see it, right? I mean, you know when somebody's uh, mannerisms um, change. Like for example, let's say they were chatty before they stop talking, or you know, they were not moving as much. And all of a sudden you see st- simple twitches o- o- on their body, you know, like moving left and right a little bit at a faster and more erat- erratic pace. So there are things that people are doing which are very telling uh, that um, they, they're off their emotional stability. And of course, you know, no words would be able to describe it uh, as, you know, our senses can feel it, I would say, you know. Well, in the same way that nonverbal communication is like most of our communication and yet we can't like pinpoint it, why we feel it. like this is like to me related to our instincts, our conversation on intuition, where like I intuitively think this something's up with this person. They're not acting normal, even though I can't like describe why it's just like something's different. Right. Um, and this can happen like, you know, we described or what I described was this sort of like you know, that's like a big feeling, a big sense of helplessness. I think that there's also micro um, emotional responses in specific hands that can affect you in ways that you, you unanticipate. And as you mentioned, like somebody becoming chatty or not chatting as much or whatever it is, it could be posture, mannerisms. Um, they could fall into, you know, our good friend, the bias of sunk cost fallacy, where they've you know, invested like 20% of their stack and they've played like a rock all, all day. But now that they've made this 20% of their stack investment, they go off like a rocket and chase, um, bad money with good money. Uh, mm-hmm. so like there, there's just a lot of ways that emotions can manifest. And I, when people think of tilt, they think of like this atomic bomb going off, but it could also be very micro, very subtle in ways that you just, honestly, if you didn't think about it, you would never think that you tilted. Very, very good. And and it also, it can be as simple as any, basically any deviation from a, your typical game would be tilt. And it could be as simple as fatigue. Like some people can be fatigued and then not making the right decisions. That can also be a yeah. form of tilt. So basically we just need to identify tilt, right? Just some, sure. some, some factor that is uh, reducing your ability to perform at your, your own personal standard. 
Correct, exactly. Any deviation, I would say. Any deviation from that personal standard is a form of tilt. And like with everything, there's the opposite of tilt. Inspiration? (laughs) Stability, maybe. I mean, we can give a lot of words, but I mean, consistency, like, you know, your typical, but it's uh, anything anything that uh, basically I would say um, it's like um, asking what is the opposite of having a fever in the way that I'm thinking about it, right? The opposite of having a fever is for lack of a better word, is not having a fever, meaning that you have your typical temperature, uh, whereas any deviation from that is a degree of fever. You can have a little fever, you can have a lot of fever, yeah. you can have you know, a hypothermia, so you go in the other direction. So that, that's how I, I typically think of tilt. Any deviation from some store, sort of like normalcy, whatever that normalcy is for your strategy, any, any such deviation would be a tilt. And, and I guess, Speaking of, of that, we can also add that even when you're trying different things for this for the first time and you're deviating from a certain strategy, that is a temporary form of tilt, even though it is a purposeful tilt, if you will, according to that definition, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that in my definition, uh, because in my definition, it's like tilt is just, it affects you in an unanticipated ways and you do things that are outside of your strategy or outside of what the goals that you're trying to accomplish in the game. And if you're trying to learn and you think something is going to perform quite well, but you're unsure and it's still inside your strategy, that seems to be like a conscious, logical action to take. Sure. And so, but I mean, you know, the opposite of tilt for me, I was thinking of like the Felix drink from Harry Potter, you know, just like mm-hmm. that. you just yeah, drink, for sure. drink the drink and everything goes well. You win all your flips, you make all the right plays, you bluff catch correctly, you bluff correctly, everything just works. And just the, the inspired version of poker where you're bulletproof. Um, for sure. Like, for the record, what you're describing there, like, you know, trying to learn new things, I would just, we can also call it, and again, I mean, definitions are calling things names, but we can also call it in some sense, like positive tilt or control tilt, or, you know, you just have a deviation, which is, which is under control, but yeah. Or if I could you just wanna... reject your definition of tilt. Or reject the definition. It is easy. <laughs> <laughs> I love um, it. So speaking of which, what, what are some, 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 some characteristics, uh, you know, like we, we mentioned, we mentioned uh, tilt and, or the lack thereof, or the, control of tilt or anything like that. But what are some characteristics uh, of emotionally uh, intelligent people or people who aspire to be emotionally intelligent? Um, I would say people that talk about it, you know, that's like kind of jumps off the page. If somebody is trying to prioritize the way somebody put a bet in the pot or the way somebody was feeling at the moment that they were playing a hand um, and they're, you know, describing a hand to you and they're like, yeah, it just felt like, it felt like they were on tilt. It felt like they were taking an aggressive action inappropriately. Mm -hmm. Um, Somebody that verbalizes a data point like that, they're probably thinking uh, in an emotional way, right? They Mm -hmm. probably are, um, whether or not they're consciously aware of exactly what they're doing, I I think they're looking at poker through the lens of emotional intelligence to in in order to discern what's going on or to, you know, make a... Uh, make the best decision that they can make. Um, and people that never mention any, anything like that ever. Um, and it's all technical. There's no like, um, timing tell there's no anything like that are probably not thinking about poker from, you know, the emotional perspective or, or feeling 
poker from the emotional or feeling. Yeah, well, I don't know. Feeling, feel. man. I think everybody's got to feel, right? You got to be some kind of sociopath to not have any emotion or feeling when you play poker. This game is just inherently emotional, in my opinion. Right. But I would say, again, I would go back to the degrees. Again, when I'm saying people are not feeling, uh, what I really mean is that their response to feelings is very low. So the degree to which they their, their sensory or like the nervous system or anything like that, their sensory components, the degree to which their sensory components reacts to emotional things around them might be minimal. That's that's what I, that's what yeah, I, I mean. I, it could be. It could be that they just don't have awareness of how they feel emotionally, right? right? It could be like a lack, a lack of emotional intelligence, right? Because, right. you know, I, I was doing um, an optimization session with someone, it's been years ago now, but uh, I asked him a question about like, um, when was the last time you felt like anger? When was the last time you, you felt frustrated or confused or something like that? And it was obvious like in the, the session that they had been feeling frustrated and angry and confused, right. but they were not able to label their own emotions. They, mm -hmm. they didn't know when the last time they felt confused right. or frustrated were, even though like they were feeling confused and frustrated in that moment, um, right. even, and they just were not aware of, of how they felt. Right. And, and to some extent that's equivalent to as if this never happened to them. Right. I mean, it's like, as if it's, it's, it's not there, like being not aware it's uh Similar to being unconscious. I mean, you may be alive, but you're not sure you're alive. You know, like it's the same. The, the, the same. Are we alive, Duncan? What, what, is, what is life? We... I'm, I'm uncertain to this. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel intuitively about it? <laughs> intuitively feels like it, but maybe we're in dream or simulation. <laughs> I have no idea. I hope so. That'd be sweet. <laughs> that would be that'd be interesting. Um, but. Um, uh, to, to, to add to, uh, to this, I agree with you, uh, by the way, 100%. It is very important uh, to be aware. And one of the ways we can tell is that by talking about it, you know that somebody is aware if they actually try to uh, verbalize it. Or sometimes people can actually try to show it too. They don't necessarily have to use cognition to describe their emotions. They can show you that they're, they're feeling some emotions too. That, that is another alternative way. But they need to express them somehow. Uh, and they should be aware that they're expressing them is what I'm getting at. But another thing is, um, and that ties to the concept of intuition we've been discussing before. Another thing is that a lot of the things that uh, we do in real life have uh, data points or are based on data points that we have previously collected, sometimes unconsciously. And that's what later is being translated as intuition. So the idea of, I don't know what it was, but I felt the opponent was strong, or I don't know what it was, but I felt the opponent was weak. This is pot potentially- Do you act on that? Uh, personally, I do. I, 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 I used to not to, I used to actually override it right? because I thought to myself, you know what, it is so much more important to look at the patterns, but I realized that I was basically neglecting one very important data point or several of them. At the poker table yeah i think that self-trust is just kind of essential for the live poker player and um the times that i listen to my intuition the time that i trust that gut feeling of how this person's feeling in the moment have they tend to work out very very well the times that i go against it tend to go very very poorly i've just learned over time that like you know it's an intelligence that i can't exactly put my finger on where it's coming from or what exactly it's based on. However, I do trust my central nervous system. I trust my brain to process that information. Um, 
subconsciously and give me an indicator. And then I just, I just trust that because I mean, I mean, really like we, we trust a lot of things. Our body has a lot of uh, automatic systems and processes internally that we trust, right? Like I would assume my heart is beating right now. I can't mm-hmm. really uh, prove it, but I, I think it is. Um, I'm breathing in and out. My lungs are working. Um, you know, we talked about COVID earlier, right? The whole autoimmune system is just this amazingly complex uh, piece of us that just works automatically. You cut your hand, your body heals itself, right? Like, I mean, that's like almost magic um, what's going on there that we have no control over. So why would it be the case that we're um, able to do, do these things automatically, but then we're not able to process information about people's intelligence and even their like energy and electricity, right? Like this is maybe a more controversial thing, but like the human brain is electromagnetic. Um, Mm -hmm. it, it, we use energy. That's how we do things, um, in the world because of, of energy. And so like, if you were, we have an electromagnetic magnetic pulse, um, that you can read, like it's an, it's like an aura, right? Whenever you say this person gave me a bad feeling, right? That's something I always trust because to me it's electrical. Like there's something there, they're putting out energy that is like, it's telling me, uh, it, it's um, basically triggering something inside of me that's telling me, beware of of what's happening. And there could be no outside indicator that something's happening. It's just this like gut primitive feeling. And I'm like, yo, I'm not going near that person. Like, I don't know what it is, but that person, I just, I can't do it. Uh, absolutely. And for the listener, I want to uh, basically underline how important that point is, because at least for me, it was incredibly important. That was actually exactly what you just said, Brad. It was something that I was missing. What you just did, you basically took something that looked incredibly mystical to me, and then you explained uh, its sources. And that was my initial fear, that all of this, you know, intuition or all of these gut feelings, they're potentially, and that was the old me, uh, they're just potentially, you know, mumbo jumbo. They're potentially, you know, some sort of like the variance. Red herrings. Red herrings or like things that actually it is a form of variance that comes to us in a weird way, right? I mean, you just, given enough time, everything will happen. So even if you're right about somebody, you might have just gotten lucky, pseudoscientific and all of that stuff. But you're absolutely spot on and on the money that there are, first of all, there are just very simple physical uh, triggers, like you said, for example, the uh, electromag- electro- electromagnetism is a real thing. So people actually do have different um, physiologic physiological responses in their bodies that we can actually feel them. So it's very physical and very real. And also to that, I would add that, uh, again, intuition is also very real in the sense that it accumulates like a subconscious mind, which is constantly uh, uh, on literally accumulates data points which are unaware of in real time but nevertheless they do happen in the background and it does therefore does machine learning for us and it informs us when certain situations are dangerous just because it has seen that danger before and that danger it may have seen ten thousand years ago when some of our ancestors whose genes we have inherited you know learned how to deal with these dangers and for me that was actually a really important moment because I realized that, Duncan, this is not necessarily voodoo magic, and this is not necessarily something that, you know, is weird, and it's uh, some sort of like variants playing tricks on you, and sometimes you're going to be right, sometimes you're going to be wrong. It could be millions of years of evolution. 
Basically. Yeah, it's natural selection, right? Natural like, selection. Our exactly. genes have survived for a reason because they pick up on these feelings and they're able to not get murdered. And exactly. we, we stay in the gene pool, right? Exactly. Exactly. For me, that was a, an aha moment, an epiphany, right? Because I was very much afraid and I'm always very much afraid because <laughs> let, let's, let, let, let's be honest, there is a lot of pseudoscientific things out there, sure. right? And it's yeah. very easy, you know, to fall into the pitfalls and, and, you know, all the things that, that are happening. And, and nine out times out of 10, when you hear something that feels feels weird, it is actually weird. It's probably too good to be true, to, mm -hmm. to, to be fair. But you made a very good point. You made a very good point about the physiology and the fact that, you know, as humans, we can feel those things. Yeah, for sure. And, and to be honest, like, I'm more uh, easy breezy than you <laughs> in that sense that like, I feel it, I trust it, and then I just kind of like move on. It's like, yeah, let's trust it and we're just gonna go with this. I don't I don't need proof really or evidence mm -hmm. of it. Um, I think in the same way that like, basically my experience is my proof and my experience is my evidence in, in mm -hmm. that sense, where um, in the same way that like meditation, you know, in the 80s, mm -hmm. before there was science, um, people that meditated swore by it and said that like this is beneficial this is benefiting my existence i'm living a better life because i'm doing this thing however you can't they couldn't quantify it right they, there was no science and data mm -hmm. that showed the benefits but when science did catch up they realized oh yeah this is actually really beneficial and it's like very healthy and very good for you which is you know any what anybody who's meditated for thousands of years could have just told you through their personal <laughs> experience right um and so yeah like i'm just i, I tend to trust my my experience of those types of things just because it's super arduous proving anything and that's I, I we'll call it laziness no 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 no. actually this is another excellent point for the listener right because and actually nasim taleb it, it's nothing but laziness actually it's it's an intelligent way to respond to the environmental triggers um, and it's also a bottom-up approach versus a top-down approach, right? I mean, it's like the, the example people give sometimes is that a bird didn't learn how to fly by reading a book of aviation, right? <laughs> yeah. That, 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 that's very important. And actually, Taleb makes this point in his book, uh, Skin in the Game, where he talks about the idea that we survived far before science existed. So this is actually very, very important. And it is important for us to understand. And for all the scientists out there, it is very important to always... Um, you know, use science as a tool and not as the end all, uh, be all. So you're absolutely correct that our experiences matter and all, uh, all of this. The only thing that I would add is that now science can help us understand the things that we've been doing for so long, and which I would also, by the way, call it science. The idea that, you know, we're using data points, that's what science is all about. Like, I mean, we use the data points from the, uh, from the past and then we make inverse inferences about the present and the future. So to me, that's a, a, a primitive form of the scientific method of science. So it's, it's great. So science, what can do, it can actually make that more concrete, uh, perhaps use the right terminology, um, look more efficient, for, more, more efficient, the inferences and all of these things make the connections. And now it's going to be easier for the next generation to reach those conclusions a little bit faster, right? I mean, they can still use their experiences, but also they have the cognition to, to help them in that direction. So I, wanna, I wanted to clarify that it's not lazy at all. As a matter of fact, it is the way we have survived for uh, for, for all those years. Yeah, for 38 years. That's the way, that's the way <laughs> we survived. Um, <laughs> you, you, could, you could also just look at like other forms of life, right? That survive, you know, we don't have to like think about humans as 
the only ones, you know, we, we mm-hmm. have cats around here. You may hear a cat meowing sometimes on the podcast. Well, they don't have a scientific method and they don't have science and yet they're here and they're surviving and they're living in this world. And all the other animals with less cognition than us don't have science and yet they're still going about their business and doing their thing. So Cor- Correct. Or one can say, you know, again, they're using a primitive uh, scientific method, right? I mean, again, because again, they're responding to kind- specific... Yeah, they are, and they're also using the power of genes and natural selection that just helps them survive. They, they're they're built to survive in this world, because if they weren't, then they wouldn't be here. Correct. Exactly. Exactly. And and someone can even say that you know the um, those evolutionary uh, traits and forces are again a form of primitive scientific method, right? They what works and what doesn't. We discard that which doesn't, and we keep that that does. Yeah, I mean, on a, on a really big timeline, I think that's, that's pretty much what life is doing, right? It's just like iterating, learning, iterating, learning, dying, learning, iterating, dying, just like slowly getting better um, with each iteration. That just seems to be the path. Absolutely. Or the iteration of the alarm that they're checking today in my building, and I apologize for that. <laughs> yeah, you need to go kill that alarm. Get that alarm out of the gene pool, man. That's What's right, going get it on? Out of the gene pool. That's exactly uh, right. So... Here's another question, right? I mean, that, that that people may be interested in. I'm certainly one of them. What are some ways to um, cultivate emotional intelligence? Uh, what are some ways to improve it? And is it possible to even do that? I have to imagine that it is possible to cultivate it. Um, and, you know, asking questions, reading books, uh, reading things that you know, people who have dedicated their lives to the study of emotions have written, like a Brene Brown, right? Mm-hmm. Like just educating yourself. I think that that's a, a really a good way. I mean, if you think about like physical tells in the in the space of poker specifically, um, that is engaging in your emotional intelligence. It's improving your ability to read people and how they're feeling, and you know the, their mannerisms and all those things. So, like, yeah, I think reading, um, practicing. And if you play live poker, like I said before, you know, try to at least consider the data point of, Mm -hmm. um, emotions within your framework for making decisions. And the more that you consider it, the more that you think about it, um, the more you'll learn. And that's just, I mean, to me feels like the, the point of life, the thing that you focus on is what you learn about. And if you dismiss it and don't focus, well, you're probably not going to learn. Very good point. And you also alluded to that idea earlier. Um, We think cognitively, right? I mean, that's how we communicate. We use words and we have to use our brains to be able to communicate for the most part. So in order to talk about something that doesn't use words and doesn't use cognition, we need to actually do something else in that we need to basically focus our cognitive attention to that thing. So in some cases, people may have emotional intelligence and they may not even know it or they may not even be able to articulate it just because you don't need to articulate it to have emotional intelligence. You just need to feel it, right? Yeah. Let me use an example here that's outside of poker for mm -hmm. emotional intelligence and like how emotions, um, how we prioritize emotions typically. Like you you meet someone who, um, you meet someone who logically is great fit. They have a great job, Mm -hmm. um, a very attractive person. They're intelligent and witty and Mm -hmm. clever, Mm -hmm. uh, but they don't, you don't feel any emotions 
when you're around them. They, they don't give you that sense of like, you know, joy and bliss and you just don't have that, right? Um, and then you meet somebody else who logically, maybe it's not logically a great fit, but there's chemistry, right? right. Um, who are you going to be with, right? You're not going to choose the logical choice. You're going to choose the the emotional choice. And to, in my opinion, you'd be a fool to choose the logical choice with somebody that, you know, isn't going to be a great long-term companion because you just don't feel all the things when, when you're with them and around them, right? Um, so that's, to me, like an outside example of poker of how we prioritize our emotions um, over logic in a lot of senses. And by the way, over prioritizing the emotional side of this equation can lead to, to doom and disaster on its own. If, if there's like a lot of like uh, red flags that, that logically you see, but then you just look past them, right? Where I'm not really speaking to that, but I'm speaking more about chemistry and the way that you feel when you're in the presence of someone, um, and if you don't feel anything, well, it's probably not good to pursue a relationship with that person, no matter how logical or how much it just kind of makes sense to everybody else looking from the outside. Absolutely. And, and, and like with everything, I mean, ideally, you would probably have both, right? I mean, both the emotional attraction and the logical attraction. And I, yeah, and I, let's and, be greedy. Let's be greedy. Yeah, here. Let's be greedy, right? <laughs> Why not? We only live once, right? Yeah. So, but you're absolutely correct. I mean, the, the emotional attraction is very, very relevant and, and, and very important. Um, but before we even do any of that, we need to be aware of its existence, right? Yeah. Because if, uh, and, 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 Sometimes people are gravitated towards a certain direction without necessarily being able to to articulate it. That's that's enough, you know. If you can actually make decisions based on that, but it it does help. Sorry, go ahead. No, no. Basically, uh, I just realized that like you also have to trust your emotional feelings too. That's a major part of this. That you trust that gut intuition regarding a relationship with someone, because again. If when you don't trust it, um, at least when I haven't trusted it, bad things have happened. Like mm-hmm. I've been, my my distrust has been validated time and time and time and time again. No matter how much I don't want to believe it, no matter how much I'm like, no, I really want this. Like I really want this to, to make sense. Um, and then it ends up like, yeah, you, you you were right intuitively about the situation. So like you need to trust your ability to discern um, what your emotions are telling you. Uh, which is like maybe even step one that's beyond awareness of the emotions. Um, mm-hmm. You just, you have to trust the the feedback that you're giving, the data points that um, your, your body's giving you. And it's very easy to mistrust them or to underprioritize them for one reason or another, right? And the ex- example that I gave before, um, it's like, ah, but this is a perfect fit. It's logical, right? I'll, these emotions, I'll have them one day. Like uh, this, this like weird feeling is just like, Maybe I'm just like commitment phobe, right? Maybe I'm just like afraid of committing or maybe it's X, Y, or Z and we just kind of dismiss it or push it to the side. Um, But yeah, I'm a big believer in trusting the way that we feel. And, you know, if you trust the way that you feel and bad things happen, then you got to calibrate, right? We got to learn what's what's happening there. That's also information and not necessarily a bad thing, but we need to learn and not make the same mistakes again and again and again. Absolutely. And I would say that that's where cognition can be of help, because on the one hand, I would agree with you that, yes, we need to listen to the emotional voice. But sometimes, uh, and I think you mentioned that earlier, it can lead us astray too. 
Sure, right? so absolutely. It, so the, the cognition can actually help us. Like uh, one example on the other side uh, would be like some sort of like physical trauma. Like for instance, uh, I've been bitten by by dogs twice in my life. Yeah. So I, I, as you can imagine, I can go. I cannot go. I've gotten better over the years, but I cannot go anywhere near near dogs. It's actually a funny sight. To, to yeah, watch I, I, I just am imagining you like climbing a tree and like a chihuahua oh, chasing yes. you or something. It's the... I'm an Olympic athlete. Near dogs, I become an Olympic athlete. Yeah, it's... yeah. terrible athlete under normal circumstances, but you are. It just goes crazy whenever a dog is around. That's exactly. That's exactly right. Um, dog these things are wolves you know so uh, anyway and the the thing is that uh, cognition can actually you know help me navigate through some of these circumstances so the 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 less uh, you know intimidating of of these dogs I, I can perhaps up to a certain extent and that's how i was able to overcome some of my trauma right you know get get closer to them and little by little you know be able to to overcome it and- Interestingly, regarding dogs, um, you know, they can sense emotions and stress as well, right? So whenever you're stressed out or you're afraid, the dog can sense that and, you know, they can process that in a way that may not be great for you, right? Like That has been my excuse for the past 20 years at least. (laughs) (laughs) That could be not good for you. I could say I've never been attacked by a dog. I've never been bitten by a dog. And... When I see a dog, I'm just happy if it lets me pet it. <laughs> you know, so that, like there's no fear there. Um, right. But the dog is sensing emotions and it's sensing all these things as well. And like if you're afraid, then it's probably wondering why you're afraid of it, right? Like why is this thing um, afraid of me? Um, is it going to attack me? You know, is it all, all these things? So it gets defensive in the same way because it wants to, it wants to survive. It doesn't want somebody with bad intentions getting getting behind it and taking it out of the gene pool absolutely that's exactly correct and it, it's doing the right thing and it creates like this 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 vicious circle yeah. but you know but at the same time you know uh, uh my cognitive ability tells me that uh, i see how most people react uh, to dogs how most dogs react to most people yeah and i can see that there's certainly something wrong there right and and you know this is a situation where you know my initial response up to a certain extent is not to necessarily be trusted. And that's how, you know, it can help me overcome the, the trauma. So I, I would say that both uh, the, the the intellectual quotient and the emotional quotient can can work in tandem, you know, they can help each other to to, to be able to prosper. And yeah. I think that, that that can potentially be, be relevant, but specifically for emotional intelligence, I think paying attention or simply just acknowledge it exists can actually get us get us a, a long way. And I think, Brad, you've been doing, like, since we, we first met, you've been doing an excellent job actually articulating all of these. Um, and that was even from the very, very first podcast, you know, the idea that, you know, not only humans are emotional uh, beings and they're uh, led by emotions, but articulating those responses to their environmental triggers. And you're very good at that. And I think the listener can can learn a lot from that approach, being able to articulate it being able to uh, to see it so that when it happens again, you can say, oh, yeah, not only subconsciously, but consciously. I've been there before. Yeah, it, I appreciate that. That's um, very kind of you to say. I would say, you know, there's a flip side to this before we shut it down, is that you, your emotions, so like, it's hard to discern between like intuition and emotions. And sometimes, 
especially in poker and big spots, um, your emotions can definitely lead you astray. Like they can mm-hmm. definitely lead you towards risk aversion. They can definitely um, just manifest in a situation that feels like it's similar to another situation that you've previous experienced, like the the dog, for instance, where you got bit. However, it's nothing like that situation at all. It just feels the same, mm-hmm. right? right. Um, and that can lead you to poor decision making at the same time. So it, you know, uh, I'm a big fan of data, as mm-hmm. everybody knows. So collect the data and don't shy away, don't hide from um, the data, and just look at these decisions when you've made them based on one emotion or the other. Track them and see how things are going, uh, so that you can quantify. Because like it would be kind of a tragedy if your emotional calibration was awful and you're just like torching money, but you're like, no, I trust it. It's going great. Uh, good things happen when I trust my emotions. And yet all the evidence and the data is telling you something totally different. So, I mean, again, track this stuff, track the data, um, and give yourself a really big sample size, by the way. this is Absolutely. Uh, big sample, sample size is exactly the point I wanted to pinpoint, especially if you don't know the opponent long enough, which again, goes back to the big sample point because you maybe have a feeling about a certain person, but if you haven't um, been with that person for long enough time, this could easily be a false positive. Yep. Right. So, so you can use your population tendencies, which uh, have been tested and have been working for you. And once you have enough evidence about that specific opponent, then you can let, you know, the emotional intelligence come into play. So the way I like to give a heuristic about that is you can use your emotions uh, or your emotional stability or your emotional intelligence. You can use it as tiebreaker if the situation is too close. So you can go either way. You can either call or fold, let's say. So you can use your antennas there. You can use your intuition um, if everything else tells you, you know, you can go either way. Yeah, very nice. Very good. Makes sense. Uh, Is that that where we tie, tie the bow on? Cut it off. We got anything else left to talk about regarding? Absolutely. I, I guess on a on a fun note, I'm just going to give a, a story of something that happened in, in the trip, uh, like a, a, a couple of times. And uh, wow, it must something... be nice to have a story. <laughs> oh no! Makes me feel so bad right now. <laughs> oh man! Oh man! Uh, so you, you you know you know what de- de- depressing stories uh, give them enough time and they will become comedy too right <laughs> yep so uh, one of the things that i you know saw a lot uh, uh on, on on this uh, latest trip to vegas is that people and and i hadn't noticed up to that day that it was happening i mean i you know my intuition would tell me oh, okay yeah that person is weak but I never articulated it until this trip. So every time somebody was struggling with a decision, they would actually uh, do this, this following thing. They will take a little bit of a breath and they will do this, exhale. And when somebody's filing exhaling, which makes perfect sense, right? I mean, you know, people who will listen to this say, well, Duncan, duh, obvious, right? I mean, the person is literally um, finally releasing the pressure from the rest of the hand yeah. now that they're not going to raise you on the river or somewhere. And now finally they have to make the final decision. Do I call or do I fold? Right. Yeah, I mean, th- there's it's no, a, no benefit in holding everything in anymore. Holding everything in, but it was subtle because they were still trying to be poker faced Yeah, and it was subconscious. And actually what's interesting about articulating this type of behavior 
I noticed that I could notice it on earlier streets as well, which is interesting to me. That that was that was pretty interesting because again, up to that point, I mean, I've played with people for for you know thousands of hours, you know, if not hundreds. I mean, a long time. I've like I played like a long time live uh, and, and and online too. But like the um, it's an interesting response that I hadn't been able to articulate it before. So I could perhaps feel, oh, that person is weak. But now, you know, like I feel proud of myself that I can articulate it. Yeah, yeah. You're bringing back some bitterness for me. Uh, you remind me of a story where I had the perfect bluff candidate against uh, quite a good player who, very intuitive player, um, actually mm-hmm. taught himself how to play poker. And moved up to playing um, 2040 No Limit at Commerce. And then one day on a whim, just ventured over to 2040 Pot Limit Omaha and never came back. But just very intuitive. I always thought just extremely intelligent uh, poker player and got a lot of flack from the commerce crew. They mm-hmm. thought he was terrible, um, but I always thought he was good. And we played a big pot playing 2040 No Limit. I think it was like a 20 or 30K pot where mm-hmm. um, I ended up having like, I had like five, six, and the board was like queen, queen, five, six, seven with like mm-hmm. a flush complete here. Or actually it was like queen, queen, five, six, deuce, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the queen paired on the river. So I had like two pair on mm-hmm. the turn, the queen paired. Um, three pair. They have three, I have the pair. three pair, right? I have the three pair. Uh, and I check raise all in on the river. And it was a giant pot. You know, I had all my blockers um, and I had a feeling they had a straight. And they ended up calling me. And I, I remember, I, I remember the hand because like I am fairly obsessive about this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And anytime something happens where I'm like confused, I, I always reverse engineer what happened in the hand. What did I do? All the data points that led up to the decision to try to figure out when somebody does something against me, that's weird. Um, that works out. I'm like, Hmm, what'd they know? Like what information do they know here? Uh, what did I give off? And when, when you were telling that story, it just reminded me of on the river. Cause I had two pair, and when the river paired the queen and counterfeit my two pair, I remember being annoyed, right? Mm. Like, ah, I got counterfeit. And mm. I actually remember feeling that in, in my, mm. my body. Um, and then I checked and they bet. And then like, it occurred to me, ah, oh, sweet. Like I've got all the boats in my range and I've got like the perfect blocker to check raise here. And then I jammed and ended up calling with a straight, um, you know, flush completed and the board paired. And my initial reaction was like, what a shitty call. And only when I started reflecting and thinking about the situation, I just realized like this motherfucker is so intuitive that like he, he felt how I felt on the river and he just wasn't folding. Like he, they, he just, his subconscious was like, nah, you got to call here. You, you can't fold whether or not he could articulate what happened. But I know that's exactly what happened because I felt that sense of like defeat or deflation when the queen paired on the river. Um, and we'll never forget that that hand for that reason, because initial response was like, wow, what a bad call. And then when I reverse engineered it and thought about it, I realized like, oh shit, there was something there that if they noticed that you're screwed. Um, don't do that anymore. <laughs> so like, yeah, this is like the level in which I think about live poker and emotions and information. That's great. That's great. And the word you mentioned deflation is exactly yeah. like the, the, the word I was looking for, like literally physically deflating right i mean literally like you know exhaling 
all the air from the body yeah. like literally this is this is excellent this is this is perfect and you're illustrating exactly the battle between uh emotions and cognition and we're giving off uh two different tells we're giving a weak uh tell emotionally and a strong tell cognitively right yeah and, and i then picked the most intuitive player in the room to to try <laughs> to, to go, go to war with right there is... no 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 the, uh, what i hear is you still remember and you learn from that example it's not about the mistake is what we learn from it like that is like I, I i cannot imagine like a listener who's not really value that highly like the idea the lesson learned from something like that it's not like I often tell my students, I've done every mistake known to men when it comes to poker. It's not about the mistakes, it's what we learn from them. That's that's a wonderful story. Yeah, you gotta ask, what did they know? What what did they know that I didn't that I don't I didn't know in the moment, right? That's how you learn you by venturing into the unknown. Um, but cool. Yeah. Good uh glad you drug that story out of me, Duncan. That was <laughs> that was very fortuitous right here at the end. Um Thank so, you for sharing. While we're, we're, we're going to shut down this episode of Philosophical Friday, if you want to have episode suggestions, join Greatness Village, the Philosophical Friday discussion channel. Um, you can ask questions about this episode or any episode. Give us feedback. Uh, Philosophical Friday is on Duncan's YouTube channel. Duncan, where can they go? Uh, they can go on YouTube on Why Alex Beats Bobby. And uh, you're more than well. B B I E, by the way. I don't know oh, yes. why why you decided to make Bobby um, so complicated. It, it's the British version, you know. Because <laughs> oh, I see. My publisher is British. So, <laughs> oh, I see. I see. My publisher is they're both British. Yeah. So yeah, and yeah. we can start a conversation there, and the YouTube comments uh, be that would be great, and uh, we can talk about this interesting topic. And awesome, find us man. on Twitter too. Yeah, all on the Twitters, and we'll catch you next week on Philosophical Friday. Awesome. Take care, man. Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter. Join the Greatness Village community, book a coaching session, or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.